0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 125th episode of MTG Fast Finance. The podcast has been to Rochester enough to know it's not where you want to showcase your silver. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering, finance, collection management, and speculation.
1: A quick message from our sponsor, Face to Face Games. FaceToFaceGames.com provides competitive pricing on Magic singles and sealed product, and shipping them both to both the U.S. and Canada. Check out face-to-face card pricing via MTGPrice.com, whether building your deck or stockpiling a spec.
0: I'm your host James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host tonight, as always, is Travis Allen, aka at Wizard Bumpin, and we're here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic: The Gathering. Hi. Right, good afternoon, James. How you doing? Hi, hi, Travis. What's on the agenda this week? Uh, This week we have a show in
1: four parts. Segment one is our top movers. We will be talking about the cards that have moved the most in price over the past week. Segment two is our cards to watch. James and I will run through a few cards we think may rise in price. Segment three is our metagame we can review. We'll stop briefly at Pittsburgh and Singapore. And I do mean briefly because they're both standard GPs. And segment four, our topic of the week, uh, the... Latest hottest topic on Twitter and the face magic uh, social media scene: the Silver Showcase that was announced as the extra event that will take place at Pro Tour Minneapolis this August. But we will come to that when we get there. So let's start with segment one. First, our top
0: mo- hmm? Oh, sorry, just a second. The show is sponsored by MtgPrice.com, the leading MTG oh. finance community. <laughs> Sign up today at MtgPrice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby.
1: Yeah, we did that out of order, didn't we? No problem. <laughs> All, right. All right.
0: So jumping into our top movers of the week.
1: Yeah. First of the card of the week is Brightlane, Um from Battle Bond. It's the uh, morphling, the the color shifted morphling, the white one. Uh Foils were at forty dollars, and then somewhere in the last twenty four to forty eight hours, they were bought out completely. Uh TCG has none. Star City has none. I found one copy at ABU for fifty, and I didn't really look beyond that. But this did get drained, so um i don't know you know there's there's no new price so this didn't pop up on the tracking but i do know that it occurred so i would expect these foils to relist in the probably 70 to 80 range
0: thing is i I question the underlying demand for foil brightlings um people that collect sets are the only people that are going to need Brightling because it doesn't look like it's going to be a major card in any format, and Brightling people that are collect sets mostly don't collect foil sets. That's a pretty niche market. Um, and what's going on here is that people have realized that the you know the transition from Battle Bond to the hype cycle around M nineteen came so fast and furious that relatively uh, limited amounts of Battle Bond were ever opened it's not likely that people are going to be buying much of that product over the next 6 to 12 months, even though it will be present in the market. And so it leaves room for the foil mythics to really go off the chain in a hurry. And we started seeing that with Najila first. And then when people saw that that worked out and they were actually able to sell Najila's over 100, um, it started leading them to wonder what other mythics and possibly rares they could target as well. Mm-hmm.
1: I-, I agree that I don't know who wants to buy this card. Uh, foil bright lane, I it's not really good in EDH. Cube players might play it. Uh, you know, no one's going to be playing this in Legacy. Not legal and modern. I don't know where. Who who would want to play this? But it's also going to be extremely rare. Foil BattleBond foils, especially Mythic foils, are going to be in very short supply. So it'll be one of those. You know, it'll be 70 or $80, but one copy every two months will sell somewhere. Like, that'll be it. Yep. Um, after that is Stolen Strategy, also from Battlebond, also foil. This one, 20 to forty. Uh, you're gonna we're gonna see a theme here that Battle a lot of Battlebond foils have been getting bought out. Stolen Strategy was one of the popular ones right from the get go. Um, if you were checking, you know, popular sales on
0: TCG and so forth. Uh, Stolen Strategy is the oh, they
1: don't have it on the site. At
0: the beginning of your upkeep, exile the yeah. top card of each opponent's library. Until end of turn, you may cast non-land cards from among those exiled cards, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells for four and a red. This is the card I flagged early on as whether it was going to be this or Sunbird's Invocation that was going to be more heavily used in EDH. Um, irregardless of how that plays out, uh, this thing has already popped, so <laughs> the the debate is now moot from a finance perspective. Yep, yep. Uh... What do we got after that? So we also have mold demon from the reserve list from legends moving from 15 to 30. This is just the constant targeting of every and, and any reserve list card over time. Um, that one's not good enough to see old school play. So it is purely on uh collector and speculator uh, side of things. Uh Gutsa, Gushth, gusta gusta scepter is- from alliances. Don't remember that character. Um, From 250 dollars to $5, uh, also a reserve list card. Um, Buy lists on even random reserve list cards have been rising, so these are not actually crazy cards that people are picking up. They will probably pay off given enough time. Um, Worth pointing out. Um, That as silly as it is, it's still probably going to work. Mindstone foils from 10th edition moving from $10 to $21. That's a card you frequently see in EDH circles, and there aren't that many foil versions of the card. Um, we've also got Grim Lavalmancer from Torment, which has been on the move for the better part of a month, really. Um, now going from $10 to $20 for the original printing of the card, um, a card that you frequently see in modern decks, including uh, various flavors of Jund and occasionally in some burn decks.
1: After yep, after Grim Lavalmancer's Stoneforge Mystic out of Worldwake, the non-foil Worldwake copies jumped from 25 to 55, um, and the world wake foils went from 80 to 225 supposedly uh both on the back of banned and restricted list speculation there's a banned list update this monday and people think stoneforge mystic is the next card to come off um i you know this is, feels like the new bloodbraid elf where every time the br list comes around it gets bought up again i i I, I think you could probably make Stoneforge legal, mystic, and modern. I don't think it's too much, especially with how non-interactive the format has kind of trended towards, so it's fine. It is kind of wild to imagine we're going to have Stoneforge and Jace legal and modern again, though. Or I shouldn't say again, just period.
0: Yeah, I mean this. I raised a flag on this, as did others. Uh, maybe four to six weeks ago, I was buying up copies of the of the GP promo at Vegas. Those have gone from twenty to over to about forty five or fifty. I selling copies at like 43 dollars on eBay last night um, successfully. So the the exit was was quick and easy. Um, you don't need to wait around and see how this plays out. Uh, if you're holding and you got them b- below $20, I mean, if you are gonna, if you think you might want to place it for Modern, go ahead and hold on to those. But if you've been picking up extra copies for speculatory purposes, you're not guaranteed to see this unbanned this weekend. It could be, um, but it could also be unbanned three, six, nine months from now, never three years from now. Who knows? Um, bottom line is, if you've got a double up on your hands, go ahead and cash out and move on
1: yeah agree you're you're not going to do much better even if it is unbanned so just sell it now
0: and if they unban it it's going to show up in a in a future master set it's a slam dunk inclusion there
1: yeah what do you got next for us
0: um so next on the list we've got energy bolt which is a reserve list card from mirage uh, a random rare moving from a dollar fifty to three fifty in theory Uh, buy lists haven't really moved very hard on that yet so i wouldn't get too excited seraph sanctuary from Avicen restored foils moving from a dollar 50 to 450 um i'm not even aware of ever having played that card even in edh are you
1: the seraph sanctuary uh if you're playing an angel deck i guess Angels <laughs> definitely exist this is the
0: land where when it enters the battlefield you gain a life and whenever an angel enters the battlefield under your control you gain a life I mean, a lot of the angel decks are Kalia decks, right? And they can't, I'm not sure how many colorless lands they can afford to get minor life gain effects. So you'd have to be really going dedicated angel or casual angel.
1: Well, I think it's casual, like casual slash dedicated. Um, It's not Kalia. It's going to be someone who's just playing every angel. (coughs) All those cards. Um, Then after that is Possibility Storm from Dragon's Maze. Foils from like 250 to 650. This is part of a modern deck. There's a Possibility Storm modern deck with a couple minor variations that uh, typically cast um, like Memnite or uh, Zoetic Cavern to go hit Emrakul. Uh, and it's a nifty deck, for sure. I don't know if it's good enough. It re- de- relies on a 5 mana enchantment uh, and then casting a spell afterwards. But in any case, uh, foils 250 to 650 uh that i mean they'll probably hang around five dollars or so but if the deck ever manages to break out it'll certainly help that price but mm, i don't know what card they'd have to print to make that deck better
0: yeah this needs to top around eight. for a while this so. needs a top eight for anybody to bother paying attention it's pretty unlikely our listeners are holding multiple copies of this single copy foil that you might be able to unload for five or six bucks doesn't sound like a, a very exciting thing to be worrying about but you might want to just throw it in the trade binder if you still if you still carry one of those around <laughs>
1: Now, it's funny you say that. I think this is the exact type of card our listeners might have sitting in their binders because when this deck first showed up on the scene, they might have bought a stack of them at like 50 cents hoping that the deck was legit and then it wasn't and then they never bothered to sell them. So now they're in their box of shame.
0: Do do you have them in your box of shame? No, I actually
1: don't, but it's exactly the type of card that I would.
0: (laughs) I I certainly have similar cards. Uh, (laughs) Aggressive mining. Scar Scale Ritual from Shadowmoor, going from foils going from two dollars to call it five dollars, um, more than a double up um, if you believe that. There are various versions of Atraxa and other t- uh, counters based uh, decks in EDH that will run this card to to draw some cards if they have a it's minus one minus one counters this moves around right.
1: Uh, it puts a minus one minus one counter on one of your creatures and then you draw two
0: cards. Yeah, so you, yeah, so uh, a decent draw card, draw effect. Um, I'm not really sure where we're seeing the play on this, though.
1: I'm not either. I mean, you can see it in EDH. Uh, it's only in 52
0: sure. decks, though, and they're mostly a the decks, which makes sense. Um, I, I'm going to call this one low supply more than anything else. I don't think there's a very uh, robust demand profile.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll allow it.
0: Oh. <laughs> Skirk Fire Marshal from Onslaught Foil's going from $4 to 10 Um This card got reprinted recently, right? Fire Marshal? Fire Marshal? Uh, n- n-
1: no, I don't think it was reprinted, right? They just printed a bunch of other goblins Wasn't that what it was? Oh, this time
0: we saw this. Only in Onslaught
1: Yeah
0: uh, oh, oh, no, 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 no It was reprinted Elves versus goblins uh, Oh, wow
1: <laughs>
0: That's Essentially not
1: having been reprinted then.
0: Yeah, that was a while ago. So that was one of the very original dual deck printings, if I'm not mistaken. It was the first, I I seem to recall. Um, Yeah. So we haven't seen this in quite some time. There's been a bunch of good goblins lately. People are fooling around with uh, casual goblin decks of various varieties, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, these are the foils. So Onslaught foils are, what, 15, 18 years old?
1: yeah um, something like that
0: pretty easy to drain them.
1: yeah um and it's a cool card too this is a fun one to play in edh and you you cast it and then people are like what does that do and you're like well hold on just a second let me tap these goblins and i'll tell you <laughs>
0: <laughs> i held priority
1: yeah it's good it's good um following up with that we have caves of coilos from apocalypse the foils there are uh jumped from like 10 to around 25 uh, this is a real old Painland Apocalypse. Was the first printing of the Painlands. I'm not clear why that would suddenly be popular. Um,
0: yeah, they they actually popped the last time they were printed. Yeah. Um, the but these foils are gorgeous. Actually, they're on par with like seventh edition foils. The the original Painland foils are really nice. Yeah. Um, and we've seen and a bunch of them are worth significant money. Um, so I think this is actually more about um, somebody sold a copy for cheap and then the market filled in the gap again.
1: Yeah, that could be it. Because I don't know what would have caused it to change, but I would have expected this to already be $25 or more. Yeah. So it's kind yeah, of I think odd. somebody
0: posted a $10 copy and, and created a hiccup.
1: Gotcha. That makes more sense. Because uh, I remember selling foil Yabamaya coats from Apocalypse at like 60 bucks a pop. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Actar Waste, was that what it was? For a little while, was like a oh yeah, hundred and thirty because of Eldrazi. <laughs> um, uh, well,
0: and, and Shivan Reef, right? Because the blue red Eldrazi deck ran it as a tri land. Yeah, the, the, well, the
1: yeah, it was the blue red and the red and the blue blue red and blue white were both uh crazy expensive. Um, after that is Hour of Reckoning from Ravnica foil sixteen and change up to about fifty. This was reprinted in Commander, but the Original commander, but of course, there's no foils there. This is the destroy all creatures, you think? Non-token creatures Na- non-token I think. Non token creatures with convoke. So, if you're playing a token deck, you can convoke this out and kill everything else and leave your guys behind. I mean, this has been around forever. Um, I haven't really seen the price move, so I guess there must have just been like one copy left, you know, that somebody bought.
0: Yeah. Same kind of thing as Kirk Mart- Fire Marshal,
1: yeah. I know, no reason for that to really move. Um, and then Thrilling Encore from Battle Bond again. Foils 10 to 40. I don't know if you're going to get these to stay at $40, but I don't think they're going back down to 10. It's really an encore, steals creatures from other people's graveyards. Uh, It's another reanimation spell. But again, one of the popular Battle Bond cards, and the foils got drained. Um, I mean, I'm not going to tell you that um, these are getting drained because they're getting bought one at a time by people who want to play with them. But I do think that they're getting drained because people know that they're popular um, and are going to be popular, and Battle Bond supply is real low. And probably it's not going to get any bigger.
0: Yeah, this is, I mean, I argue with people all the time on Twitter about to what extent MGG Finance influences prices and just had a pretty epic dialogue on Friday again. Um, But that's not to say that there are, that uh, speculators cannot, can never take the lead. Of course, that that absolutely can be true. And I think it's true here. Um, My point has always been not that a speculator can't go ahead and clean something out. They can. Um, If the supply is low, it's relatively easy but they can't set the price. The market will always dictate what the thing is worth. And this is the key point that people miss again and again and again and again is that if you buy 100 of something the last 100 of it at $10 and later sell all of those at $100, then all you've done is eliminate inefficiency from the marketplace. The person that would the people that would have sold those and did sell them to the speculator at $10 undervalued the future value of the object. And when you got to that point on the road and people were willing to pay the hundred, they missed out on their opportunity to have held and had better returns. The speculator has simply identified that the object is worth more than everybody else thought it was, and they prove it by selling it. Now, that can still lock segments of people out of the marketplace because back down the demand curve, you have somebody whose max price was $20 and they're just shaking their fist at the sky like, why can't I get a $20 copy? But the people they should actually be shaking their fist at is Wizards. It's Wizards that sets reprint policies. It's Wizards that decides that all sets are are limited release and not left permanently in supply. And it's Wizards that that, that runs a game that includes rarity, mythic, rare, uncommon, and common. And those are the factors... Um, that most contribute to the prices of cards, not the people that decide to buy up extra copies and resell them later. The other side of it is that the biggest factor, far in excess of the number of copies of anything that are being held by speculators is the attrition factor that we've talked about a few times on the cast in the past um, in terms of the total number of copies that are just sitting around in people's houses, not being played and not being sent into buy lists. It is actually the players, the ones that are least financially sensitive and, and financially aware, that are most responsible for high prices, because they're the ones that are holding 90% of the cards in binders and collections without ever using them. It, and the way you can easily prove that and establish it as fact is to compare pick any card. Compare the number of cards, approximate number of copies of that card that were approximately printed. And for most modern rares, you're talking about tens to hundreds of thousands. Uh, mythics certainly less uh, uncommons and commons sometimes in the millions Um, and compare that to the total number of copies listed on all relevant websites in north america europe and japan you're going to find that easily less than one percent of a given cards of total available inventory on the planet is ever posted for sale the reason for that is the rest of those are sitting totally unseen and untouched unsold and unwanted in people's collections all over the world.
1: Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I mean, not that there needs to be 50% of all copies of whatever random card for sale. Like, you know, you don't, you don't need 30,000 copies of the card. Like once you've got four, you know, once you've got a couple hundred, you've basically satiated the market's need for that card uh, for the time being. But, yeah, it's it's very much one of those. I feel like don't hate the player, hit the game type of situation. Like uh, like you said, you're 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 wrong. You're mad at the wrong person if you're angry at speculators. But I'm not gonna belabor the point any further. Um, all right. So following that, we have Rolling Stones from Eighth Edition foils three and a quarter to fourteen. Uh, this is I'm pretty sure on the back of Arcades the new Doran. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, bad card bad deck bad everything but the, you know so the price isn't gonna be three and a
0: quarter it'll slip to like probably six or seven bucks i guess yeah i see it differently i i, I think that that deck is pure casual fodder lots of people will build it i think people forget competitive minded people forget that people often build edh decks that are non-optimal in fact probably most not edh decks are non-optimal and non-competitive and a lot of playgroups just want to have fun. And a wall deck with a bunch of wacky combos in it is right up their alley. And so I don't think it's ever going to break. I don't think Arc- Arcades will ever break break into the top 20 commanders. Um, but I think it, that relevant cards like Rolling Stones probably get a little window. I went ahead and picked up like two 7th edition foils for like 6 bucks a piece. First of all, 7th edition foils are... <laughs> always oh, solid the targets no matter what card you're talking about. And if there's even a modicum of of potential demand, I, I won't be surprised if I get to unload those in the $15 to $20 range.
1: My concern is just that uh, I, I completely agree with you that people are going to build this deck. They're goofy, they're fun, whatever. It doesn't have to be great. My concern is more that are those people going to spend $15 on a foil for a deck that they know is goofy and silly? Like the, the group of people who are going to play... Rolling stones and the group of people who want to foil their EDH decks are probably not the same would be fair. Fine.
0: I mean, I've seen I've seen wacky foil decks, though. So I, oh, mean, I sure. agree with you to an extent. And I, I certainly think that I think the easiest way to leave it is the, the demand profile is modest.
1: Y- yes. Yeah, that's a, a, a diplomatic way to phrase it. Um, what's after
0: that? Siddhar Kondo of Jamura from Commander 2016. Uh, I believe this is one of those uh, Commander cards that was never reprinted anywhere else, only ever appeared in its Commander printing. Um, moving from $2 to $10, um, I think I, I don't think it sees a tremendous amount of play um, on EDH Rec, um, but I'm not sure that matters because most of the cards um, that have been in a similar boat have risen over time regardless.
1: Which is a shame. This is a cool card. I have a, a Siddhar Kondo. Wait, is this yeah, this is the one I'm thinking of, right? Wait, let me plug it in here. Uh, yeah, I do. It's, in it. it's a partner one uh, that your uh, creatures can't block. Opponents can't block creatures you control with power two or less. Basically, Um was really cool. He's a lot of fun. Uh, and he was only the yeah he was only the foil printing in that one commander set because he was one of the partners, and they haven't revisited the partner cards yet.
0: Yeah, uh, and I wouldn't think that these will get reprints anytime soon. So it's you know, it's again going to be a relatively shallow demand profile. There's only 800 plus decks on EDH rec running it. Um, but pretty safe bet. You'll get to out like a small handful of copies before it ever sees a reprint.
1: Yeah. And if it does get reprinted, it'll probably be non-foil too. So, and the original printing is foil. Um, following that is Archon of Valor's reach from battle bond foils 10 and change up to 60. So big jump there. Um, Orcon of Valor's Reach is a new card from the set. It is a rare, mythic, rare. I don't remember. Mythic, I think it is a mythic. Yeah, just double check. So, I mean, if uh, no, I was wrong. It's a rare. It's just a rare. So, but still a another Battlebond mythic, another Battlebond foil rare, skyrocketing because people went after it. Um, Sixty dollars is probably not sustainable in the short term, but again, I could see this. You know, it was ten. It could easily start selling again at twenty, twenty-five. Um, and then you might sell a couple of that copper rate and then it comes back up. Um, you know, the price rises after that. So uh, I don't, you know, just
0: same story. I don't really see these going down at all. One of the interesting things here is if all of the foil, like the majority of the foil rares and mythics of relevance from battle blonde are all super high, then it starts to, you start having to run, uh, detailed EV calculations on tracking down boxes and cracking them. Um, yeah. you're going to end up in the same situation as conspiracy Two, where a lot, not all, but many of the boxes you open will end up being profitable. Um, and, mm-hmm. and in a modest way, right? Like it was never that you could like double or triple your money on conspiracy Two, unless you got super lucky. It was more that you were on average, m- maybe going to open plus 20 to 30% EV, um, maybe two thirds of the time.
1: <laughs> Which, and that was fine because like you got to open the box, essentially not for free, but like you got good value opening the box. So it was fun. Yeah. People would do it.
0: Yeah. And from a player perspective, that's great from a vendor perspective. If you're doing it at volume, it can still work out if you're a volume operation from a mid tier mm-hmm. speculator perspective like ours. Um, it's not something that should be a high priority, but I did end up cracking some conspiracy two boxes just you know on the borderline of of player speculator interest and was never disappointed it was uh super good Then i know some people with the coupon yesterday the 15 percent off on ebay were targeting japanese battle bond boxes and that seems like a wise play as well oh yeah i mean Jap- that, Jap- if sad. this is what's happening with the english foils let's not even talk about the japanese foils that we don't cover
1: <laughs>
0: that would be good um Okay, so
1: after Arkan of Valor's reach is Verdorn Enchantress, 7th edition foils, uh, 10 to 60. Again, 7th edition foil. Verdorn Enchantress is also a surprise and surprise Enchantress card. It's what the Legacy deck is named for. Um, draws you cards with enchantments. Uh, nothing spiked this, I don't think. There was no reason for this to uh, good.
0: No, I think actually yeah. there is. It, it's a combination... It, I mean, it could be a fact... Coming from both seventh and this other thing, but the other thing is that there's another enchantress in M nineteen, right? So now the enchantress decks have four enchantresses to play with, if they're running casual or EDH. Oh, did they print another one? And I think it's a, um, I think it's a bad one too. If I don't, if I recall correctly, I think it's like it's significantly worse bad. than the others. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, there's a couple of things. There was a Druid of Horns, a two, three, for four. Whenever you cast an aura spell that targets it, create a three, three green beast. Uh, creature token but then there was also hmm, where is that was it a multicolor what card are you looking for here the one in m19 that's another enchantress yeah 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 Seder enchanter Seder mm. druid 2-2 two, two for one green white whenever you cast an enchantment spell draw card so we now have that the, the zero one shroud one and the Mesa Enchantress, which I have a pile of in my box of shame from when Theros came out. <laughs> um, so, when, I mean, that means that <clears throat> people will be looking to build enchantment-based Voltron decks for EDH and random enchant- Enchantress-based casual decks. Um, does that justify a $60 foil price tag? No, but being a 7th edition foil probably does. Okay. I
1: mean, that works. I can... I can accept that as the the reason. I mean, there was probably only two of them on the market anyways. Yeah. So, uh,
0: yeah. What do you got next for us? Fault line uh, from Urza's Saga. An old rare, apparently moving from $60 to $5. Got this marked as reserve list adjacent. I think that might even be generous. Um, I'm not aware of anything that would have moved this other than the fact that Saga is a very old set. And who knows? Speculators may be sidling up to targeting... A random Ursus block rares at this point, seeing as how everything else has worked out.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, I don't know, I guess. I guess it's a card. It seems like a terrible, terrible idea. I would not want to be involved with this. Um, after that is Axeman Guardian. Foils from Return to Ravnica, like 50 cents up to around $8. Uh, I believe this is mostly on arcades um, because it's a uh, Taps for mana based on Defenders you control. So if you're building a wall deck, this guy makes you a ton of mana.
0: Yeah, it it seems like it's an Arcades card. Um, Daring Apprentice foils uh, from 7th edition as well, moving from $9 to in theory $130, but market is well, well below that. Um, So I I wouldn't be expecting to get anywhere near that price, but I can easily see this posting up in the $30, $40, $50, $60 range.
1: Yes. Yeah, that seems totally fair.
0: Yeah, 7th foils, the uh, Slow City indefatigable. <laughs> Alright, moving on to cards to watch. The part you guys love where we tell you how to go spend your money and make some money or save some money or get a deck together faster, or cheaper. You know how it goes. Yeah. Um, my first pick this week is the original printing of Lightning Greaves, specifically the foils from Mirrodin. Uh, confidence level, I'm going to give this a 9. Um, you can. There are very few copies uh, sitting out there in and around $20. I think this will end up being a card yes this card has been reprinted many times but not that many times in foil and the other really great foil the masterpiece is closing in on $100 so definitely not that crazy that the original pack foil might hit 40 um, especially given that 83,000 decks on EDH rec run this which means that there are probably a few hundred thousand players uh, playing commander in North America alone that run this card. Um, and might be looking to upgrade at some point. And really, if you snatched up, say, five copies, you might be 20% of the available online inventory at this point.
1: Yeah, there's not, not going to be a lot of foil lightning graves greaves left in the market, especially given how long this card has been popular. They have been bought up time and time again by people who are new, original EDH players and people who had them for various purposes, cubes, and so forth. Um, <clears throat> unbelievably popular. I'm... I'm a little concerned because the foils themselves are not great. Like foils from that era are rough. Um, and if you've ever, there is there is like a 10% chance you have held a foil mirrored in block card and didn't know it was foil. <laughs> but uh, But I don't think that matters too much. Having the original foil in great condition is still going to be appealing to people, even if it's not really flashy.
0: Yeah, and Lightning Greed just has such a huge demand profile, um, much more massive than almost every other card we've talked about today. Um, and the other thing is that yeah. it's definitely a, you know going to get further reprints. It's going to be the card that gets reprinted again and again and again. But um, aside from an F promo, the original pack foil Miradin, I don't think it's ever been in foil. It. it because well, so it, it's been, expedition. yeah, well, that's it. The <laughs> Masterpiece, the FNM promo, and the original pack foil are the only foils. It's been reprinted in Commander 2016, in Arch Enemy, uh, in Commander, and Commander 2017. So we've just seen it, like, relatively recently. We could see it again in a Commander product in the fall. But again, until they start adding foils, um, foil reprints to those uh, fall Commander products, you know, these these are the kind of cards that are almost always worth targeting because that foil supply is just going to get lower and lower over time until they change the policy.
1: Yeah, there's really not that many. You know it's probably good is the, uh, the F&M foil, too, because that one doesn't look like crap. Uh, and there are nine copies at 20 bucks, and that's it. That's it. Yep, that's um, so also extremely nice. limited, and no matter what they do, you're not getting this one again. It will be distinct. The
0: word, the part about that is the art is bad. Yeah, the art, the, the, the art's, art's garbage. Bad. There, that's why I prefer the original pack foil. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. Both of yeah. them probably move. I mean, once one moves, the other will. Somebody will look to the left and target.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, all right, so I'm on a a trend this week. Um, you know, I picked up a couple battle bond foils for myself last week and then i looked at this list today and saw all the battle bond stuff so i'm like all right i'm on board uh so i got a couple choices there my first one for the week is mystic confluence um at 11 dollars right now for foils i can see this moving up to around 25 or so uh, this is was originally printed in commander 2016 2015. it's one of the it's a three mode card and you can choose three times so you can do one mode three times or three modes one time uh, type of thing. But it's the first time it's in foil. It's been played in Legacy a reasonable amount. So you've got some additional demand there. And it's also pretty big in EDH, nearing 10,000 decks. Um, so in general, it's the first time the card's in foil. Probably not going to happen again anytime soon. Pretty reasonable demand-based. And 11 bucks for that seems very fair, since I'm pretty sure the non-foils uh, before the reprint, I think the non-foils for this card were like 8 bucks out of that commander set.
0: Yeah, so the the counterweight on this one is the Judge Promo, which is still setting, sitting pretty solidly around 20, but supply is not particularly deep there either. And I'm sure people hit the pause button on those when they heard this was getting reprinted in Battle Bond, but now that we see that the Battle Bond rears and Mythic foils are going to be in relatively short supply, um, there's no reason to believe that the Judge Promo and the Battle Bond foils, which use the same art, are pro- may just move in lockstep both of them moving um, uh, up the chain. The judge promos might be at, you know, they're at 20 now might hit 30, a little slower than the $11 catch up to the 20. Um, So you're probably right that the Batamon foils are are worth a look.
1: Well, okay. So uh, I guess I'll point out the, the tool I was using did not show me the mystic confluence judge promo. So I forgot that it was out there. Um,
0: but the supply is not that deep, so I, I'm. I don't think it. I don't think it injures the the spec, um, because again, the, the the judge promos keep getting underestimated <laughs> because of that like multiple that staggered release pattern where people can get hammered on them somewhere in the middle, and um, people forget that like two or three years out, it's like that never happened.
1: Yeah. So I still mostly like the card. Uh, the judge foil slows it down a little bit. The one thing I would tell you to keep an eye on for is the new judge packets are getting announced Monday with the banning reserve list update. Um, So if Mystic Confluence is in there, it will slow down even further. Um, But if it's not there, then you're probably safe.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, The ramp on the on the pack foils from Battlebond are is pretty steep. Like it it goes from 10 or 11 up to 15 and then on to 20 pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to take much attention for for this one to move.
1: No. What's your next card?
0: Uh, so the other one that is a big player in EDH that I've talked about maybe six to 12 months ago, but it's time for a revisit is sort of the Animist foils. Um, this was from BFC or Earth of the Gatewatch.
1: Sort of the Animist with uh, Origins.
0: Origins, right, right, right. Origins. I knew it was an O set. Um, yeah, so Origins foils, you can still find a few of them around at about $10. and I think it's an easy double up over 20, probably to as high as 25 or 30. Um, given a little bit more time. This is a card that fits in a whole bunch of different EDH decks is like a really easy way to uh, mana fix uh, uh, in an aggro style deck um, since it goes and gets lands uh, as you're attacking. Um, And because of that, um, that pretty high demand profile and the legendary nature of the equipment the fact that it references nisa specifically means that it doesn't just slot into any old set um and it's the kind of thing that i could see getting reprinted in a fall commander product or something um or a supplementary product and maybe not showing up as foil again for quite some time uh this is only a few years old i think it's got another couple of years before it sees reprint real reprint risk um and in the meantime i have a feeling you're going to get in and out pretty quickly
1: yeah, sort of the Atomist is exactly the card that you see, um, as we saw in Commander 2017, where it gets reprinted once and then they keep running it back in Commander sets. Um, but the original foil kind of remains that foil for quite some time. Um, and it is, a, it is a very popular deck, like 17,000. I don't think, I, I did not know it was that popular. I figured it was in some decks, but not that many. So uh, 10 bucks for a foil. It's funny to hear you call Match Origins old now. Because Origins to me was still like, well, that was kind of new. I remember M10 would be old. Um, yeah. And I think this is well positioned. It's got the age. It's got the popularity. It's got the unlikeliness of being reprinted. All solid signs.
0: Well, I mean, reprinted, sure. Just not as foil. I mean, we've already seen it, as you said, in Commander 2017. And we also saw it in Arch Enemy, Nickel Bolas, which was a, a minor supplemental release. Um so, I mean, I love it when I see cards like Lightning Greaves and sort of the Animus showing up in those products because it tells me that the original pack foils are pretty safe bets. Yeah, best.
1: for sure. Um, I'm going to move on to Greater Good. Foils, again, from Battlebond. Uh, foil greater, greater Goods are around $13 right now. Uh, again, I like those up to $25, $30 or so. Uh, greater Good was originally in Urza Saga where there were no foils. Uh, then it was judged a while ago. um it's not a new judge promo, and then it was printed in battlebond um there is a ninth edition foil that's currently sixty dollars and there's one copy right now, so there's not a lot of them around um so you know you've got the judges at forty something and there's only you know twenty copies of those. You have one foil ninth edition copy it left at sixty and then you've got the Battle bonds at thirteen dollars. So I think you can pick these up at 13 and ride them up to 25, 30 bucks. It's a long time EDH staple. Uh, very good. Gives green a tremendous amount of card draw power immediately. Um, just a good card. Uh, very few foils. Should be some healthy demand there.
0: Yeah, I'm looking over the the available supply between the Judge Promo, the Saga version, 9th edition, and Battle Bond. And I mean, sure that's four reprints, but Saga was a ton of time ago. Ninth edition was a ton of time ago. Battle Bond's brand new, but as you said, the foils are already, um, you know, looking pretty scarce. How many total copies did we say foils?
1: There's three. This is the third foil printing. There was the Judge and there was Ninth Edition. Sure, but
0: how many? How deep is the inventory for the Battle Bond foils? Uh, Battle Bond foils have maybe th- thirty there or are... forty copies.
1: Yeah, probably a touch more than that, because uh, they're about f- a little under 40 vendors. So probably 50 to 60 copies.
0: And with a pretty steep ramp, too. I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: 12 on up into 20 real quick.
1: Yes. Yeah, it doesn't take long to hit that. So um, it's not like an overnight spec, but it's definitely a I'm very confident that this will get there.
0: Yeah. And looking over the judge promos, I mean, 40 on up into 80 real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a slam dunk. Good pick. What else you got for us? Uh, my last pick is more of a modern focused pick. Uh, Tree Top Village F&M promos. We've seen the original uh, Treetop Village foils on the move for a couple months now, uh, moving up quite a bit in foil. The Tree Top Village F&M copies are still available around 20, but the supply is getting very low. And I think they, they are going to follow in similar fashion up into the 30 to $35 range.
1: Okay. Yeah, I remember these cards. They are pretty scarce at this point in time. Um and the card has always been popular in modern since uh the format's inception. That's not going to change anytime soon. Um you've got let's see, what do you get? You get the FM foil, Urza's Legacy foils technically exist, and there's the some more magic ones and 10th edition. So there's a couple floating around, but the fnm is distinct, it's got a pretty cool art. Um that might have the best art, I think. Urza's Legacy. I would personally go for the Urza's Legacy foils my decks because i like the old borders but most people don't and if you're not doing that then the fnm
0: copy is your best bet yeah i've got a signed japanese foil original copy oh, that's really sitting cool. in my uh, my modern collection that is
1: very nifty um so yeah that's solid as well i think uh it's another one that's probably not it's not going to tip overnight but it could definitely definitely will get to 30 dollars without any other events occurring
0: all right tell me about your final pick
1: yeah, my last one is uh, James is going to enjoy hearing this because I told him it was bad two weeks ago. <laughs>
0: um,
1: is Bountiful Promenade, which is one of the dual lands from Battle Bond. Um, so this is the uh, green white one,
0: I believe. Wait, is it the green white one? Did I put the green white one or the blue white one? The green white one. The green white one. Yeah, the blue uh, white one is Sea Cloud Expanse, which I know because there's a stack of the foils in front of me.
1: <laughs> okay so the foils on this are like 23 right now there's a couple of 23 or so and then they get out of control quickly uh so i went back when so james approached me about the battle bond foil lands like two weeks ago and i said i wasn't wild about them because the prices were still kind of high and i didn't know how much you'd be able to sell them for it's been been a little while it's been two weeks the prices have come down a touch so now you can find like this one around 23 um, and one or two others are in the lower 20s Uh, So to me, that gives a a healthy margin now, because now you can go from like 23, 24 at a buy-in and you might be able to sell them at 50 or so, um, which I like much more than if they were like 35 to 50. Uh, And I was also looking at the popularity of the color pairs in EDH. Blue-black is the most popular um, color pair uh, that you'll find with something like 67,000, 68,000 decks have blue-black in them uh the next highest that these lands uh, the green white is very high it's not as high as blue black but it's very high in terms of the ally color pairs um so between the popularity of the color pair in edh and the relatively low foil price because the blue black land is like 35 bucks or something so this is much cheaper almost as popular color pair i like it's positioning the most of all of the lands that's not to say that they all won't be appealing it's just that i think this is the best at the moment
0: Interesting. I was actually surprised to see this be one of the green lands because I thought that green fixing was the strongest case for this not making it into the mana base of a given EDH deck. Well, they have lots of ways
1: to play lands, but the mana base itself is relatively the same. I mean, I guess you can you place you can play stuff like wood elves and things of that nature to go fetch forests, right? Like they fetch land type forests that the other colors don't get, but there's still not that many of those that you can get you can get the shock lands and you can get the fetch lands and then it runs dry pretty fast. Then you're on basics. So if you're trying to play multiple colors, this, uh, still works for you basically. Cause it's like, if you're playing a three or four color deck, your wood elves, uh, if you don't have a bunch of shocks and duels laying around, your wood elves is really bad. Cause he's just fetching basic forests and you need your lands to do more than that.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a strong case for just all of these lands being worthy targets um, because I think they're a lot stronger in EDH than we gave them credit for up front. And the, I've been targeting Foil, Sea of Clouds, and a couple of Morphic Pools so far. I think I grabbed a couple of Luxury Suite. Um, uh, I haven't touched Bountiful Promenade yet, but I, I will not be surprised if I take a revisit on all five of them.
1: Yeah, they all seem like they will have their moment. It's just trying to time them
0: that will be the best idea or that will be the hardest part, I should say. I mean, I think they're going to like slowly infiltrate in the EDH and, um, it may even be worth looking at the non-foils on the basis that let's say that you're expecting a 12 to 18 month hold, which is not our ideal, but is perfectly reasonable for a more casual speculator slash player. Um, and, you know, they can get non-foils of the card at five bucks, six bucks, I think these get up over 10. I I think they're going to buy lists closer to 15 eventually for the long before you see a reprint. Yeah, because there's just like there's like something like, you know, a couple hundred copies of each on something like a TCG player. And that's nothing that puts you in a rush. But if you get scoop up 10 copies of one of these for, say, four dollars after an eBay coupon and you sit on them for a year, pretty good chance they're up over 10 by 18 months to 24 months at the very outside just because nobody's opening BattleBond anymore. So every copy that gets sold, you, you know, what what percentage, I guess what I look at is what percentage of copies sold are going to be replaced by a fresh copy via a buy list. And I think that these, this falls in the category of EDH cards that are just disappear and and contribute to that attrition that I was talking about where Not only do EDH players hoard decks, like talk to any EDH player. They don't just have one deck. They have multiple and some of them have dozens Um, and they don't like moving cards around between them because it's such a hassle um, because you quickly lose track of where everything is um, and your decks fall out of sync. So if these cards are if these lands are playable in EDH and you're only buying one or two of them, then you're never buy listing them back. Um, so the only people that are, that were ever really in a position to do that were people that opened BattleBond boxes. Maybe they run a, a green-red deck, so they didn't need the blue-black land, so they buy-listed it on the floor at GP Vegas. But six months from now, when nobody's opening those boxes, I don't see where the inventory comes back into the hands of the vendors, which should drive prices up. I think that's probably the best
1: point I've heard made in their favor is uh, you're not going to want one of each. You're going to want several of each if you want them. Um, so you're going to, you know, you're not looking for, you're not, you're not buying one copy. You're buying possibly one to two play sets. Um, and you're right. People are generally are
0: just aren't going to bother to get rid of them. Uh, it's just easier to hang on to them. Uh, so they're not- I mean, people that don't have revised duels would have, I think, have trouble justifying these not showing up in their mana yeah. base. I mean, even if they have a full set of shocks and fetches, this, I feel like this won't will- even if it only makes it into the bottom 20% of your mana base, it still makes it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's unfair. I guess, uh, on the non foil side, they could
1: stick these in commander decks. Um, I'm not saying they will, I'm saying they could.
0: Yeah, they they definitely, I, and I, that could happen, but they just came out. So, and my, you know, reprint logic, over the last couple of years has been pretty consistent at most things. The vast majority of cards will not be reprinted within three to five years of their initial appearance. Yeah. And I mean, if you're talking about an 18 month
1: timeline for the non foils, that means that if the, if they're not, they're definitely not in this year's commander set, uh, 95%. And if they're not in next year's commander set, which is probably like an 80% chance, then you're fine. Like then you've got your, your horizon, uh, for them. So, uh, yeah, they could work for sure. If you can catch them, a good, a good chunk of them on sale or something like that with an eBay coupon for three or four bucks a piece. I don't hate it. And in general, I like the foils more, um, just trying to catch them at a price low enough that the margin is worth it. I, I mean, they could end up being like yep. 80 bucks a piece and selling briskly and I'll, you know, I'll eat my shoe, eat my hat. But uh, I like I like trying to sell them at 50-ish. I Trying to sell them at 80 seems like it's going to be an uphill battle.
0: Yeah, I think I I would be happy to exit these foils between forty and fifty, mm-hmm. um, but I believe they could get up higher. Yeah, I, I won't I won't discount it. I guess like how many are you going to sell? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's going to be tough. I'm I'm not going super deep. It, this is like a I think a medium priority spec for me. I'm I'm looking at getting one to two play sets of the key foils, and I'll take another look at non foils when I see a big eBay cube one. Okay, that's fair.
1: Um, let's move on to our uh, metagame we can review. There is Pittsburgh and Singapore, both standard events. Um, I, is there anything here at all that we care about?
0: <laughs> uh, God Pharaoh's Gift Control is a deck I like in standard. If I was playing standard right now, I'd be playing some version of this. Um, anything that can run such Sunscourge Champion and won a GP is fine by me. Sure. I mean, that's a cool deck, uh, but it loses... Loses Godfarrow's gift
1: <laughs> with rotation. Sort of important.
0: Oh, you're, you're asking me whether there's financial relevance. Yes. <laughs> oh, I thought you just meant, does anybody care about standard? Um, Godfaro's gift control in first, Esper control in second, Red Deck wins in third and fourth, Demir control, Jeskai control, Rakdos aggro. This is not like a tremendously um, narrow format. We've seen it worse. Standard has been worse than this, but it, but there is an underlying current of dissatisfaction because I think people feel like the best cards in the format are too good. Um, talking about your goblin chain whirlers, your scarab gods, et cetera. And there's been some articles written by pros recently, kind of exploring this concept that the, the best of the best in, in standard is too, too has too much of a power curve gap between versus the other cards. And it, and it tends to bottle the format into a pretty narrow channel of opportunities. Um, and a lot as a bunch of new cards come out, they still have to deal with things like Chain Whirler. And so, you know, a bunch of potential routes for exploration get um, left by the wayside. And I mean, I think all of that's true. So we're in the summertime. <laughs> Competitive magic in general is, is pretty slow um standard is in its normal lull period people are bored we need a big rotation shakeup. hopefully we're getting that with the ravnica stuff in the fall and you know i think it's a wait and see um for the for the time being if the question is what might we be investing in for standard i just recommend people to stay well clear standard is is the toughest place to make money you have to get both be both in tune with the format and lucky um for things to work out yeah yeah, it is.
1: Uh, it is not for the faint of heart going after that stuff. So keep that in mind. Um, that that can be tricky. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else here. I don't think there's. You know, there's. We're not seeing anything. We haven't already seen Goblin Chain Roller is nuts, but we, we're aware of that. Uh, a lot of the other decks are just losing huge chunks of them, so they're not going to be viable. Uh, I'm not seeing too many cards from Dominaria that are like interesting that we weren't aware of as standouts um you know there's no like quiet mythic and dominaria or ixalan that's showing up here and there that people aren't talking about that could take the format by storm in the fall so i'm
0: just hoping that rowdy crew gets there
1: ron rowdy crew
0: (laughs) i've got rowdy crew sitting around too (laughs) and because because it it looked like that deck was going to be a thing the um but again you know, I didn't buy 400 copies of Radicu. I bought like 16 yeah. so, at 50 cents a piece. Yep. So n- no big deal. The um, yeah. I mean, generally when you're looking at rotation for the fall, you want to look at the rares and mythics that have either been sidelined because of something that is going to rotate and free them or uh, is, you know, archetypes or deck shells that are a couple of good cards or utility pieces short of being competitive. And You know, have a pretty decent chance of gaining a lot of ground. The other thing that could happen here is red deck. Red decks have (laughs) been inordinately successful at pro tours um, over the last few years in standard, and I I would be surprised to see chain whirler survive six months in standard from here on out. Really? Yeah. I mean, they don't want to ban anything, but if if red decks turn out to still be good after Ravnica come, Ravna comes out and people are still complaining that Chain Whirler is holding them back, then I think it goes. Especially if you see it like three or four copies in the top eight of the associated Pro Tour in the first few weeks of the new standard.
1: Yeah, I, I could see it. I mean, they, you know, after some of the other stuff they got rid of, like uh, the Raptor, which is just like, okay, sure, why not? Uh,
0: I believe that they have no problem axing something like Chain Whirler if it's getting out of control. I mean, that that kind of like broad ping damage from red in, in a three mana card to two mana card, three mana card, four mana card seems to be problematic in standard. So they need to start taking a harder look at that. Right. Um, yeah. The, the, the saving grace
1: on this is it's so hard to cast. It's triple red. So it's not like they're going to you can't put it in every deck. You know that Raptor was two in a red, so you could have played it in any deck that had red mana.
0: Except that uh, but- Chain Whirler hasn't been limited to pure mono red decks. It's also been showing up in in red black decks, right? That have done well had no yeah, fun. but it's still a major strain on the mono base.
1: You can't you can't play a three color deck with Goblin Chain Roller. and your black even the black red decks like basically every land has to make red. I think to cast it right, they probably get away with what two lands? that don't.
0: It, it really seems to boil down to like Chain Whirler minus first strike might have been fine. It need it needed some nerf tweak in dev and apparently in the future future league inside wizards it didn't appear to be a problem because it floated right through yeah yeah
1: so uh, definitely possible i think that's very possible and that will do more to shake up standard prices than most other things i I mean
0: we are going to see a shake up these decks rely heavily on cards from last year like this the for instance, the Rakdos aggro deck, Bomat Courier's rotating, Glorybringer rotating, Goblin Chain Whirler is new, Hazaret rotates, zev rotates, PNLR rotates, rekindling Phoenix new, yes. Um uh, yep. Scrap Heap Scrounger rotating, Soul Scar Mage rotating, a braid rotating, lightning strike.
1: I don't think that is. Didn't they reprint that in M19 or something?
0: No, I don't think so. Um, I think it's gone. And unlicensed disintegration is Shonda rotates and heart of Kieran. So this deck gets gutted. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, it's chain whirler and Phoenix and whatever new stuff they get. The, the,
1: you know, the the flip side of that is they printed all those goblins. Yeah. So they're setting up goblins pretty good. They're like, okay, so we're going to go from generic red deck to just goblins red deck. Um, and Goblin Chain Roller is certainly strong enough to be independent of most of these strategies. It's just like, sure, whatever. As long as there are creatures with one toughness, this card's going to be good. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. I do think it'll be interesting to see where the fall goes because Dominaria is a very cool set. M19 looks very popular. Ixalan's what it is. Um, and as long as Ravnica doesn't suck, we could have a pretty cool a pretty cool fall format. But for the time being, a standard is mostly dead. I will be starting to pay more attention come like mid to late August. Um, and kind of browsing through Ixalan and Dominaria to see if anything has really bottomed out. Uh, but between now and then, I'm not bothering.
0: Something like a Vraska's Contempt or a Search for Azkanta probably has room to run. Uh, Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, and Karn picked up in a Summer Lull on a coupon or something. Probably has room to run. Um, both have... Uh, are multi-format potentially multi-format all-stars over a long period of time and Grask's contempt may end up still being, you know, the most important um kill spell in the format or one of. So, and and we've seen that card up over 15. So, yeah, I keep try- coming back to that every now
1: and then, but uh I don't think it's I think it's getting there already. Or I should've rephrase that. I don't think it's getting cheap enough for me to buy it. That's what I meant to say.
0: Yeah, and the and the risk profile is just much higher than other opportunities. Right. Modern EDH promos, collector stuff, reserve lists. That's where the money's at right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: And that brings us to the temporary end of episode 125. Scheduling kept us from getting segment four recorded. We will try and release that as an addendum in the near future. And if not, we'll uh, make sure to give you guys some more content in future episodes Again, I am Travis Allen, Tw- Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N, on Twitter. Find my articles every Monday on MTGPrice.com, and this was also James Chilcott uh, at MTG Critic. I would also like to remind our listeners to check out MTGPrice.com Pro Trader Service for just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Join us next week or maybe a little later this week for another episode of MTG Fast Finance.